Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15, verse 18. Jesus has been talking about love and love for one another for the last two chapters in John, but he changes the subject here to hatred. The hatred the world and even some religious people have for followers of Christ. In fact, in just a few hours from this moment, the powerful religious leaders will be calling for the execution of Jesus. The disciples should not have been surprised to learn that they would become the target of the world's hatred as well. Jesus had warned them of this in his Sermon on the Mount and at his Olivet Discourse. He warned them that the day was coming when they would suffer as well. The Pharisees were seeking to kill Jesus now for many months at this point, and the disciples should have known that they would at some point also become the target of this hatred. Until we die or until Jesus comes back in the rapture for us, we are going to face the world's wrath and their hatred. And I'm telling you, I sense it ramping up even as I speak. And if you watch the news now, the hatred for those that want to follow biblical principles is rising in America. And while we might have been able to live in our safe little bubbles for a while, if we carry out our God-given mission to bring light into the world, to bring truth into the world, we're going to become targets of persecution. So how do we as Christ followers in this world filled with hatred for us walk in obedience and victory? Well, it's a simple answer. The short answer is this. By walking in and with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Apart from the Holy Spirit in our lives, we could do nothing, Jesus said. But with Him, we can do everything that we're called to do. It's important that we pause to understand that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's an actual person, and He is fully God and the Spirit is referred to as a He repeatedly in Scripture. And the Spirit will 100%, is 100% consistent with the Father's will. He will carry out the Father's will. And He will help us to carry out the Father's will, which is why the Holy Spirit comes to take up residency in the heart of the believer. We don't know how to do that. He does, and He guides, and He teaches, and we learn from Him if... We learn quicker if we work with Him than against Him. Without the Spirit indwelling us, we would not be able to carry out the mission that He's given to us. We would not be able to navigate through the difficult world that we've been placed in. In our passage today, Jesus is talking to His disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, but His words of encouragement and enlightenment are for every believer, and they're for us today as well. So Jesus gives them and us a description of a few of the Spirit's purposes and practices in our life. If you take notes, and I encourage you to do so, you can flip your bulletin over and follow along. Jesus first 
or I'm sorry, first, the Spirit is the comforter of the church. The Spirit is the comforter of the church. We're told that. Let's begin by picking up our reading now in John 15, verse 18, where we left off last week. If the world hates you, Jesus told them, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Before we continue, it's important that we define the word for world here. There are at least, it's used six times just in these first three verses that we read. There are three words for world used in the Bible. First, the geographical world that's spinning through space right now. Second, the citizens, all mankind, every human being that's, that's ever been born on planet Earth. And then third, the man-made geopolitical and religious systems that are in place right now working in the world. This is the definition Jesus is using here. This speaks of the sinful practices and principles and guidelines that the world follows and lives by. So why does the world, politically and spiritually speaking here, hate Christians? Well, Jesus provides several answers that we're going to look at here. Letter A, because we belong to Jesus. The world hates us because we belong to the light. Verse 19, Jesus continues, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In short, they hated Jesus, so they're going to hate his followers too. Jesus is the truth which convicts people of sin. The world wants to be left to its own devices and its definition of truth rather than be outed for their sin and their way of life. They hated Jesus, they'll hate his followers too. So why does the world hate believers? Well, because we belong to Jesus. And let her be because we don't belong to the world. When we repeated or uh, when we repented of our sin and received grace and salvation through Christ, we lost our world membership card. I guarantee you, after you came to Christ, if you were hanging out with unsafe friends like I was, you lost your world membership card. They suddenly, there was, a, there was a click of a switch, whether you heard it and realized it or not, your friends now put you in a different category. And when this happened to me, my former friends ridiculed me and mocked me and I begin to say things like, yeah, right, you're a Christian? Listen, guy, we know how you've lived. You're no saint, trust me. You're not a Christian. When I left them, they started making fun of me and criticizing me. Uh, they said, oh, you're that holier than thou. Yeah, you're holier than us now. And when I received Jesus and started walking with the Spirit, it turned a light on, not only in my life, but their life. And they didn't like that. They wanted me to continue on with them in the things that they did and the way that they did them. But the Holy Spirit began to say, Ben, don't go there. Don't do that. These aren't, these aren't people that you want to hang out with anymore. And there's a new way to walk. Walk with me. 
I no longer suddenly wanted to live the old life and it's with his dead end promises and hopelessness. I wanted what Jesus was offering and this set us against each other, my friends and I. Our paths were forever diverging apart. And that's how it usually works out. The world is happy to befriend you and, and coexist like the bumper sticker says. Can't we just all coexist? Can't we just all agree that each other's right? Your truth is as, as, as strong and valuable as my truth. Can't we just all get along and just say, it's, you know, just mush them all together. Let's all get along. And the problem is they're good with Jesus as a good teacher. And the Jew, the, the Muslim will tell you, yeah, I agree with that. Jesus was an amazing teacher right up there with Muhammad. And then you say, well, you know, Jesus is an awesome prophet. Yeah, he was, he was an awesome prophet too. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Yeah, like, you know, like Buddha or you know, like anybody else. He was, he was a great prophet. But then we push it off the table. Jesus is the Son of God. Oh, <laughs> no, he was not the Son of God, they'll say. No, he's, he's not. He's not. It's usually a, de a deal breaker for him. Uh, recently, I've taken a public stand for our children by supporting two bills. Uh, one that restricts school bathroom choice to your God-given gender at birth. And a second one that will restrict pornographic images and illustrations from entering the library in the children's area or allowing children to check these books out. And, um, and is the world happy with this? No, they're not. And they're beginning to push back. We are standing on biblical principles. We love the world. That has not changed. We want to love them to Christ. But we're not going to stand by and watch this happen uh, here and sit on our hands. The world hated Jesus and all that he represented and stood for. They're going to hate us too. It's just a matter of fact. You have to be okay with that. So why does the world hate believers? Because we belong to Jesus. Letter B, because we don't belong to the world anymore. And letter C, because the world is spiritually blind. The world is spiritually blind. We can't expect them to see things from the point of view of God because they are spiritually blind. We continue on in verse 21, still Jesus speaking, but all these things they will do to you for my namesake because they do not know him who sent me. They'll declare that this is actually a service to God as they persecute the believer we see that with the Pharisees. Jesus knew the hearts of the Pharisees. And that while they claimed to know God and represent Him, they were completely ignorant of Him. And this is why they rejected Jesus and His message. If they had known and served God, if they were students and Bereans of His Word, if they would have opened the Word and read it and sought to understand it, they would have recognized Jesus for who He was. We see this in John the Baptist. We've already been through that earlier on where John the Baptist is out there and he's proclaiming, make way, make way for the Lord is coming. Get your lives right. Renew your spirit. Repent from any sin. Make way for the Lord. 
He was preparing the way for the Messiah to come. Why? Because he had read the Scriptures. He understood the times that he lived in. And he understood that Messiah was here. That's why he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when when Jesus walked upon the scene. That's why John the Baptist said, He must increase, I must decrease. I had my time in the sun. I was telling people that Jesus is coming. Here He is. And He takes a step back and says, now go to Him. He's the Messiah. That's not what you see with the Pharisees. The Pharisees wanted to keep their power. They liked their position a little too much. They had created all kinds of laws that no one could follow. And they sought to put that yoke upon the people. They wanted power over them. Their hearts would have been cultivated and prepared for His arrival if they had read Scripture, but they did not. So many world religions have convinced themselves that they know the one true God, the way to God, or, or maybe there's multiple. You know, some people will say always lead to God. Well, that's just not true. There's one way to be born into this world physically. There's one way to be born into God's kingdom. This should not surprise us. The world religions will teach that God plus works equals salvation. Some will say, you do everything that you can do, and the part that you can't do to get yourself to heaven, that little piece of the pie is grace. God will help you get there. World religions say, Do this to be saved by works. But Jesus said, did that, now receive it by grace. The truth of the matter is, is that what we bring to the table is a mess. We bring sin to the table, which actually made it necessary for God's grace and mercy and His salvation. That's all we brought to the table. We can't help our our lives. We can't get halfway there. We can't get 1% of the way there. Because one sin will keep you out of heaven, period. But Jesus sent His one and only Son out of love for us to die for you and for me, to pay the penalty that we would have had to pay, which was eternal death and separation from Him. God made a way through death. God made a way when Jesus rose from the grave. He made a way through death. When He died on the cross, our sins were forgiven. If We claim the gift that's free. Why does the world hate us? Well, we belong to Jesus. Next, we belong to the world. Next, we belong, or the world is spiritually blind. And then here's letter D, because the world will not admit its sin. That's the whole problem here. When when you boil everything down, the world will not admit its sin. I'm not a sinner. Ah. Come on, I'm not a sinner. I'm not that bad, they say. Here's Jesus speaking again. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, these are his miracles, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated me And my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. 
They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things, chapter 16 now, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Why? What's Jesus talking? In just a matter of hours, Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be bound. He's going to be drugged before the Pharisees. In a mockery of a trial, he's going to be found guilty when, in fact, he is the only human being in the room that is without sin. (laughs) What a kangaroo court that must have been. They find him guilty. They drag him before Pilate and demand that he be punished. In fact, they want the death penalty. And these young men are hearing this for the first time. Wait a minute. We knew you were talking about something before, but we thought it was metaphorical. Jesus, your Messiah, our, our rabbis have told us that when, when He comes, you're going to set up kingdom here on earth. You're going to overthrow the Roman rule. What are you talking about going to a cross? We've been with you for three years. Where are you going? And why? Why can't we come with you? They're starting to get upset here. This is their friend. They've spent three years of their life following Him. This is not how it's supposed to end in their mind. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And these things they will do to you because you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. Jesus is about to leave. And now He's preparing these young men. And He's preparing you and me to live a successful life and not stumble. The world refuses to admit that it has a sin problem. They'll tell you things like, well, yeah, you know, okay, I'm not perfect. Yeah, that's one step in that direction. Well, I'm not as bad as as, as most other people that I know. Um, I'm mostly good. I mean, if you put me on a scale, I got to be like 51% good. I mean, I fall on that side, so God will... God is sure to receive me if, if what you say is true. And there is a God. I, I, you know, I did more good than bad. And when we speak of their need of the Savior's grace and mercy, they'll usually reject the gospel out of their innate belief that they're just not that bad. The old saying is true. Sometimes you've got to get a person lost before you can get them found. What do I need Jesus for? Well, let me tell you. And you explain, you get them lost first. You show them the need for a Savior, and then many of them will go, well, that makes sense. And they'll repent, and they'll turn, and they'll become a Christ follower. That's how it happened to me, and it's, it's how it happened to every one of us in the room, if we're true to ourselves. The, the people had been confronted with Jesus. They had witnessed His miracles. They had heard Him speak of God's love and grace, but they patently rejected Him. 
They had heard and witnessed the mountains of evidence that were provided, but they wouldn't be honest enough with themselves to change their minds and follow him. While the Pharisees had witnessed him heal a blind man, they had heard testimony from firsthand from him and what had happened. They refused to follow the evidence to its obvious conclusion that Jesus is the Son of God who came into the world to take away the sins. He said if they remained in their sin, they would die in their guilt. And that's not the way you want to die. You want to have made amends. And the only way you can do that is Jesus made amends. You want to claim the blood of Christ and His forgiveness in your life before you go to meet your Maker. By denying their sin and agreeing with one another on it, the, the world believes it's innocent. It's kind of like that story, the emperor has no clothes. But one day Jesus will judge true. Only then will most be forced to admit that sin has kept them from God's forgiveness when every knee will bow. We're looking at a few of the Spirit's purposes and practice in believers' lives. First, we're looking at how the Spirit is the comforter of the church, and I'm going to continue on with that. So how does He comfort and encourage us when the world persecutes us? Well, first and for- foremost, through His Word. The way that, that we are comforted is through the Word of God. He comforts us through His Word. And, and we are to study and meditate on it so that we become so familiar with it, it just becomes part of who we are. And in that Word and in that study, we see that we have Jesus' words The red letters, if you have a Bible that looks like that. He comforts us when the attacks come our way. And and we've read many of his words already that are so comforting just in these first 15 chapters. And then we, we have the writers of the New Testament, men like Peter, Paul, and others who repeatedly encouraged us to keep walking faithfully forward no matter what comes our way, no matter what the storm is that's on the horizon Keep walking in faith. We have the Holy Spirit walking with us. Some of them were writing from prison cells. And eventually all would suffer various types of persecution of one type or another, all the way up to and including execution. Jesus himself quoted Scripture often. In fact, he's quoted several times from the Old Testament here this morning. Next, we have the Holy Spirit who recalls truth to our minds by reminding us that it is an honor to suffer with and for the Savior. When persecution comes, God's truth oftentimes develops a hunger for His Word and for His comfort. We should not push persecution away. We should work with it. I'm reminded of a friend that I have, a good, dear friend who's a pastor. And years ago, he snuck into, um, I believe it was North Korea with Bibles, And in the cover of darkness, he got him through, which is amazing. But uh, in the cover of darkness, uh, he went with a pastor whose arms were all twisted up. They had warned him, the authorities had warned him to stop talking about Jesus. And he wouldn't. And so about the third or fourth time they caught him doing this, they said, maybe you need to learn a lesson that you'll remember. And they broke his arms with baseball bats. And then they left them in prison and so that they, they healed incorrectly. So his arms would be forever disfigured. 
Anyway, they went out at midnight to go to church. They hiked out into, um, into the uh, jungle there. And he said, he's thinking, I don't even know where I am on this planet right now. It's midnight and I'm walking with a man I've known for 10 minutes. And so here we go. And, and they're out in the middle of nowhere and eventually a whistle, a, a low whistle comes and they make their way over to where a cave is and there's believers there. His little flock is there inside the cave. He has one book of the Bible and he trades with other pastors to get different books. Somebody had ripped him out and, and so you, he might have John, but he, he wants a different one now because he's worked his way through that. And somebody has James and, oh yeah, I'll trade you John for James. And, and he does that and then he's able to teach this part of the word. And when this pastor handed him all 66 books at once, <laughs> he held them to his chest. It was like a baby to him. It was so precious. And he wept to have all 66 in one book was just beyond his wildest dreams or hopes. He had the entire Word of God and it blew his mind away. And the people wept in the cave because they had the whole Word of God. They were singing songs in whispers because they were afraid people passing might discover them and arrest them all. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.